Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. I am your host, Daniel McDonald. On Friday and Saturday, the Georgia College Creative Writing Program invites you to a celebration of African writers. The 2021 African Writers Festival, Connections and Illuminations, brings a diverse group of African writers and thinkers together for two days of conversation, readings, and performance. The festival is free and open to the public and will take place online. To preview the festival, I talked with festival organizer and Georgia College Creative Writing professor Chika Unigwe. Chika Unigwe is a novelist essayist and professor of creative writing at Georgia College. Her works include the novels On Black Sister Street, Night Dancer, and a collection of interconnected stories, Better Never Than Late. She is the organizing force behind the upcoming Georgia College African Writers Festival 2021, Connections and Illuminations. The festival is free, open to the public, and will take place online this Friday and Saturday. Chico Nigwe, thank you for joining me today on Georgia College Connections. Thank you very much for having me. I'm pleased to be here. Well, and it's my pleasure to host. And so we have you here to talk about um, the Georgia College African Writers Festival 2021. Of course, Africa is an incredibly diverse continent, and her people produce literature in every genre and classification. Um, might you talk about some of the connections that will illuminate the works of African writers during this festival? Thanks for that question. I think at the heart of literature is good storytelling, right? It doesn't matter what the story is about. As long as the story is compelling, as long as it's interesting, then you'll always find connections with people who are not even familiar with the culture out of which the particular literature comes from. So one of the things that I'm hoping that would happen is that by listening to these writers and by being exposed to their work, that non-Africans also understand the shared humanity, right? And the shared interest that we have as human beings, first and foremost. And then that people who love literature discover works that they might never have discovered otherwise. And when you have that focus on good storytelling, might you talk about mm -hmm. how you chose to focus this year's festival, mm -hmm. uh, especially for an audience that may be being introduced to a world uh, of literature uh, mm -hmm. from one part of the world? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we wanted to do was to have every part of Africa represented. The past 15, 20 years has seen like a boom in literature published in the West out of Africa. It's almost like every month there is a new author being published who is African or whose roots are African. And so we've tried to get a representation from every part of Africa. So from East Africa, we have Yvonne Owo, who is from Kenya. From Southern Africa, we have the Zimbabwean writer Tendai Huchu, also known as T.L. Huchu. We have the Bumashile, from South Africa, we have authors from Nigeria, Ethiopia, we have Zimbabwe, you know. So we have writers from different parts of the continent. The challenge was in, you know, <laughs> getting a limited number of writers because, of course, we have limited funds. The, like I said before, the past 15, 20 years have been really great for African literature. There are lots and lots of new authors coming out literally every month, you know. And uh, why has um, these last 10 or 15, 20 years been such mm -hmm. a good time to hear the voice of African writers? Before 15, 20 years ago, 
African literature was read as anthropological work. So we had, you know, Chino Achebe, Florangwapa, um, Buche Meteta, and a few of the, you know, older generations whose works were being published by university presses and Heinemann Press. They were not seen as books to be read commercially. They were not books that you would get and sit down and read at the beach or, you know, or, or, or take on holiday. These were books that were read in, in school. And I remember um, someone telling me that before they read Chino Achebe um, in college, they actually had to look at a map of Nigeria. But Chino Achebe is the first, was the first African to be published in the West, to be published in English. He was published in 1958. But about 20 years ago, Chimamanda Adichie came out with Purple Hibiscus, published by Alon Queen Books. And she got a lot of attention for that. So I think that there is something to be said for the attention that Chimamanda got, that it opened, sort of opened the way for other African authors because suddenly the West saw African writers as commercial um, successes. They saw them as works that you could read as novels rather than as textbooks for schools. And so the past 15, 20 years, you know, we've had Nedio Kura for published fantasy novels. When you talk of fantasy fiction, you hardly ever think of African writers, right? But now you have Nedi and her work is being made into a series for HBO. And they have P.L. Huchu, whose fantasy series is coming out. So I guess the fact that the first books that were published 15, 20 years ago by African authors did well, you know, sort of paved the way for American and British publishers to start looking for African writers. Does that answer your question in a way? Yes, well, I'm curious to go just a little bit deeper and ask, um, and how mm-hmm. has this interest from Western publishers been mm-hmm. uh, received uh, by writers and readers in Africa. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course, we can't speak for the entire continent, um, but um, yeah. how has the, uh, no, the but, reciprocity? But, yeah, but, but, yeah, but I can tell you what's happening um, in Nigeria, for example, is that there are so many Nigerian writers writing out of Nigeria who are getting agents in Europe and in the U.S., right? 20 years ago, this wasn't possible. So Nigerian writers were basically writing for the local market, but they were also writing for Henneman publishers, and Henneman publishers published mostly, you know, textbooks. So even when these were novels, you'd find them in university bookstores, right? And you'd find them in university libraries, but you didn't find them in people's homes. But with the interest in African literature outside of Africa, there's a lot more investment being made in African, writing, in African writers Ohio University Press, for example, and Grey Wolf Press, for example, and these are two really good U.S. publishers, run competitions where they are trying to discover the next big African writer. So, like, there's an annual competition. Every year they're running this competition. They publish African writers, and that is how they bring in debut authors from different parts of Africa. If you go to any of the big five publishing houses in America now, they have a few African writers and they're stable. You know, 20 years ago, again, this was more atypical than it is now. Then you have, you know, African writers basically just sort of breaking the boundaries of what it is to be an African writer, right? With the early African novels that came out, so with Chino Achebe's Things Fall Apart in 1958, Achebe was selling 
quote-unquote, an African story, right? It was a story set in an African village and about colonization. But the newer generation of African writers are not writing about colonization anymore. They're just writing regular human interest novels, human interest books. We have Akweke Mezi, who wrote Peck, and Peck is a YA novel about a gender-fluid teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that they are writing books that are dealing with issues that anybody anywhere would be interested in and would understand. They don't need to explain to anyone, right? So, for instance, whereas people were reading uh, best Things Fall Apart and looking at the Nigerian map to understand where Omofia was and to understand colonization and to understand the impact of colonization, the new works are less interested in that. They're more interested in just telling stories that any other authors would tell but just telling them from an African perspective. Nedu Karafo's Afro-futuristic works, you know, her sci-fi works. The only difference between her works and the works of Octavia Butler, for example, is that they are set in Africa, right? They have African characters. These are not works that read to explain Africa to anybody. They're not works that read to explain Africa's history to anybody. These are works that just sort of explain the human experience. And that is where our, our mutual connection is. It's in that human experience. And so I think that the fact that these books are dealing with regular issues, right? not issues that would be termed, quote-unquote, African, and not issues that deal with you know, Africa's past, but these books deal with very contemporary, very real, very present issues. Readers in the West, can just read them and enjoy them and deal with them as novels as they would deal with the books of any other any other writer. You're listening to a conversation with Georgia College creative writing professor Chika Unigwe about the 2021 Georgia College African Writers Festival, Connections and Illuminations. The festival takes place this Friday and Saturday. It is free, open to the public, and will take place online. You can go to WRGC's Facebook page to learn how you can register and join in on the conversations and performances during this 2021 Georgia College African Writers Festival, Connections and Illuminations. But in the meantime, stay tuned for more of this Georgia College Connections conversation with author and Georgia College creative writing professor Chika Unigwe. Describe the way that publishing houses are now creating ways to find the next African writer who can be commercially successful Mm -hmm. regardless of where they're selling the books. I'm curious, does that Mm -hmm. change anything for the writer in Africa in a sense that are they producing works that they are uh, selling domestically as well as with uh, audience abroad? I think that what it does is to free people to just write the stories that they want to write, mm. right? Because when, when you are putting all these labels on people, and putting people in boxes and saying, well, you're an African writer, so what we, what we need from you is a work that explains Africa to us. People are writing works that teach rather than works that they enjoy writing, 
So people are, you know, they're writing crime fiction. You know, Lagos Noir came out a few years ago about crime in Lagos, Nigeria. You have Johannesburg Noir coming out and doing well. Young writers are free not to censor themselves. They don't even have to think about audience when they're writing. So what do you mean? When they're writing now, the audience that they imagine is an audience that understands them, not an audience that they have to preach to or an audience that they have to teach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not thinking about the pedagogical responsibility of the work. Because, you know, when you're writing fiction and you're thinking about its pedagogical responsibility, then that work is going to be stifled. You're not going to write work that people are just going to read and enjoy. One of the books that did really well recently is a novel, very short novel by a Nigerian author called Yorinka Braithwaite, who still lives in Nigeria. She writes out of Nigeria. She has a novel coming out from Atlantic this year, but last year she had a novel called My Sister, the Serial Killer. You know, just a fun, um, well, I don't know if fun is the right word, but a fun, interesting novel about this young girl in Lagos who enjoys, quote-unquote, killing her lovers, right? If you had asked Oyinka to write a book to teach people about Nigeria or to teach people about Africa, she probably would have written a different book, mm. right? She would have had a stereotypical character rather than a character that is complex and human like every other human being. So... The effect is definitely that people are feeling free to write stories that interest them and stories that haunt them, because I think that every writer writes out of the sense of being haunted by a story that will not leave them alone. So they're writing stories that haunt them, stories that interest them, and by doing so, they're finding an audience that is just wider than the Nigerian market. Because Nigerian readers have, we've always read novels about regular people. My sister, when I, when I was growing up, my elder sister read a lot of M&B novels, you know. Mm-hmm. And Mills and Booth had white characters in places that my sister had never been to. But she enjoyed the books. She enjoyed reading them. My brothers enjoyed reading Jim Patsy Case novels and Sidney Sheldon. And they enjoyed them because the writers were just writing books to entertain. They were not writing books to teach us about the UK or about the US or or to showcase the U.S. or the U.K. in any way. One of the things that African writers have had to contend with for a while is the idea that some African writers, that that you have to write to show or to showcase the best part of Africa. You shouldn't write about, you know, um, crime or abuse or, or anything that might, reflect on Africa wrongly, which is the wrongest way to approach literature, right? The best way to approach literature is to write human characters, characters with nuance, characters who are complex. And, you know, every good book eventually finds its readers. And I know that you've just written about this need to portray life in its triumphs and in its tragedies. Uh, Might you talk about Mm -hmm. uh, the power of literature to make a connection uh, between um, uh, the reader in this holistic sense uh, of life and the way that we live it? I think that one of the things that literature does, especially literature that is well-written, you know, what powerful storytelling does is to remind us that we might not share the same language, we might not share the same culture, but we share a common humanity, right? Mm-hmm. As a kid, I read in a blighted book that had nothing at all to do with the way I was living in Nigeria, right? He had 
um, young children with, with grandmothers who baked for them. My grandmother didn't even know how to bake. My grandmother had never baked for me. And yet I could immerse myself in the experiences of the children I was reading about because they were children like myself and because they were humans like myself. And so powerful storytelling allows you to immerse yourself in a world that might not be your world, but for the period that you're reading it, it becomes yours. You forget where you were, right? Oh, yes. I mean, I myself, when I want to learn um, something about a topic or a, a place, I, mm-hmm. I, I want to read the literature, uh, not necessarily, uh, again, like the, um, shall we say, the encyclopedia article, uh, because the literature mm-hmm. allows me to live that life or live that experience just mm-hmm. for the moment of being an audience to that book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what, what good storytelling does is that it allows you to suspend belief, right? And it mm-hmm. allows you to travel. It allows you to live where you were at the moment and enter into a completely different world that a writer has created for you. Well, I, I wanted to ask you just a, a few questions about how you have used literature. Of course, you've long been an expatriate. How have you used literature to stay connected to um, uh, perhaps a, a sense of home? Um, um, that's a difficult one. For me, home is something that you carry with you. It's not something that you leave behind because um, whatever it is you leave behind changes, right? It changes when you go back. So I've lived abroad, you know, now for maybe half of my life. And I remember going back to Nigeria on holiday once and I took a bus from Lagos Enugu, which is where my father lives, and the bus was like a ten-hour drive. And on the trip, halfway through, the bus driver stops and asks everybody to to come out and use the bathroom. And you know, I'm sitting in a corner, and one woman comes to me and attempts to give me her bag. And she says, "Well, can you look after this bag while I go to the bathroom?" And my first instinct was to say, "No, like I don't know you. <laughs> you know, what should I, how can I look after your bag? I don't know who you are. I don't know what's in your bag." And I was so shocked when people around me like ganged up on me because I refused to carry a stranger's bag. And so many of them offered to hold her back for her while she needs to the bathroom. And that was when it occurred to me that in my culture, you don't say no to those kind of offers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was enough that we shared the same bus, right? It didn't matter that I didn't know her, that I didn't know her name. It didn't matter that, you know, she could be anybody. The thing to do was to say, okay, you know, look after your bag, you go to the bathroom and, you know, whatever. And that was when it occurred to me that even though I didn't think I had changed, I had been abroad for maybe two or three years at that point, that I was actually changing a lot, right? Because wherever you are influences you, right? But I do get homesick, right? And when I get homesick, I get homesick for the memories that I had before. And I pour all of those memories into my writing. So that's the way of answering your question. That one of the ways I get connected to home uh, is that I pour my homesickness into my writing. And I also always write, almost write Nigerian characters, because these are the characters that I understand the most, right? Mm. And so that connection never leaves. That connection never leaves me. It's never going to leave me, whether I'm writing or not. 
right? And the themes that I write about, the, the, the stories that haunt me and the stories that I find myself drawn to are also stories about people like myself. So Nigerians who are living abroad or Nigerians who live in Nigeria at a certain point in time or stories about women, Nigerian women. So the stories that haunt me and my homesickness constantly keep me connected to home. And I don't think that that's ever going to change. And might I ask you to um, just expand upon uh, the way that you describe it there is these stories haunt me. I've heard you mention it uh, between mm -hmm. in several articles and interviews. Why do you describe mm -hmm. it that way? Because they are the stories that keep me awake at night until I've written about them. I don't think I've ever written anything that I wasn't passionate about. So the stories come to me first as topics or themes or whatever that haunt me. And I have to unpack and unload that, that haunting. And until I've written about the stories, they don't leave me alone. So they grab a hold of me. And I mean, it's the same one I wrote on Black Sister Street, which is about four Nigerian sex workers in Antwerp. I could not not write that story. And until I had written that story, I could not stop thinking about, thinking about it, right? Um, I also... I guess like every other writer, I write out of a sense of curiosity. I write to answer questions that pop up when I get curious. I write to answer questions I'm most curious about. Um, so that's what I mean by haunting. I mean, when you're curious about something, it haunts you, right? Mm. And until you find the answer you're looking for, until you find a solution, or until you come to whatever conclusion that that question demands, it never leaves you alone. So that's the way that my stories come to me. These are things I'm very curious about and things I'm very passionate about. And the questions that constantly ask me to find answers to. And so my writing is a way of answering those questions, but also a way of me understanding the world. Congo. 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 You're listening to a conversation with Georgia College creative writing professor Chika Unigwe about the 2021 Georgia College African Writers Festival, Connections and Illuminations. The festival takes place this Friday and Saturday. It is free, open to the public, and will take place online. You can go to WRGC's Facebook page to learn how you can register and join in on the conversations and performances during this 2021 Georgia College African Writers Festival, Connections and Illuminations. But in the meantime, stay tuned for more of this Georgia College Connections conversation with author and Georgia College creative writing professor Chika Unigwe. In this festival that's coming up this week, you are curating. I was wondering if any of those um, same drives in questions animates mm -hmm. the way that this festival will present uh, writers to its audience. One of the things that we wanted to do with this festival was introduce, in as much as we can, a representation of modern African writing. So many of the writers are writers that have been published in the past few years. Many of them are writers that 
are not being studied in schools. Many of them are writers that are expanding the ways in which we think of African writing and whose works that, you know, sort of really, really um, excite us. For example, Martha Mengiste, whose novel, The Shadow King, tells the story of Ethiopian women who were soldiers, right? And this is a part of history that even Ethiopians are not very much aware of. Mona El-Tahawi, for example, is a very huge feminist advocate. So these are all the things that all the writers deal with in their works. They deal with topics that when the West very often thinks of African writing, they don't think of those kind of topics or themes. Well, if you think about those people who will be part of your audience, uh, what are some of the Mm -hmm. conversation and events that you recommend they attend with you? Oh, my God, I hope they come to everyone. I think every single person on the list has got something fresh and unique to offer. We don't have any any two writers even write about the same thing. So I hope that, you know, that people get a chance to see every single one of those writers. It will be a chance to discover some of the really exciting writers writing today um, out of Africa. Some of our writers still live in Africa, so my diaspora. But they're all telling really, really interesting stories in really unique ways. Um, I mean, it'd be like asking me to choose between, I don't know, coffee and tea. I couldn't. I love both equally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, 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 you know, I'd love a chance to have, to have both, you know, on any given morning. So please do come to every single one. Try to listen to all of our because we have two amazing spoken word artists coming as well, one from South Africa and one from Nigeria. They'll be performing their spoken word. In the past 10 years, spoken word has become really big on the African continent, um, especially in South Africa and in Nigeria. And the two who are performing, um, Wanao Dobang from Nigeria and Lebo Mashile from South Africa, are really two of the biggest spoken word artists on the continent. And you won't see them anywhere this year but at our festival. So, And we're really lucky to be able to have them. If not for the pandemic and the lockdown, it would have been difficult to have got you know, this number of writers and, and creatives um, from Africa over to Georgia College. So this is really a massive opportunity. And I, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity, and I'm hoping that people take the opportunity to discover these really brilliant people. Well, I'm glad that um, you've grounded our, our conversation in place because I wanted to ask you uh, one final question as we're running out of time. You know, in this time mm-hmm. when we are still all so cloistered up in the year of this pandemic, what does it mean to you mm-hmm. uh, to be able to bring all these writers and readers together for the 2021 Georgia College African Writers Festival? You know, one of the things that I've constantly heard people say, or people in my um, around me, because I, I, I have a lot of really optimistic people around me. One of the things that I've heard them tell me each time I felt really down because of the pandemic was, you know, you need to find a silver lining. It's not to travelize the effect of the pandemic on people, not to travelize the trauma of the pandemic. If there ever was a silver lining, this is it, that we're able to bring in 13 writers that we could never have afforded to bring in otherwise. And to present them to 
you know, an audience that is also wider than an audience that we would never have been able to reach otherwise. Um, so for me, this is really the illustration of the silver lining behind the dark cloud. Because, I mean, it's been a terrible, terrible, really, you know, bad year for many people. The pandemic has brought a lot of trauma, a lot of pain, a lot of sadness. So it's important that we seek joy where we find it. And this is the light that we are squeezing out of the uh, the darkness of the pandemic. And it's a very bright light. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to do so. Well, Chico Unigwe, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me and our radio audience on Georgia College Connections. Thank you very much, Daniel. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. On this episode, we preview the 2021 Georgia College African Writers Festival, Connections and Illuminations. My guest, Georgia College creative writing professor Chika Unigwe, is the organizing force behind the festival and will be the facilitator of conversations up and down the festival lineup. The 2021 Georgia College African Writers Festival, Connections and Illuminations, is free, open to the public, and will take place online. You can go to WRGC's Facebook page to learn how you can register and join in on the conversations and performances that will take place this Friday and Saturday. But for now, on behalf of WRGC 88.3 FM, I have been your host, Daniel McDonald. I want to thank you for spending this portion of the evening with me here on Georgia College Connections. Hope you enjoyed our time together, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you again next time.